millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It will be a fight. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. It will be a fight we will win. But a lot less death. But there will be death. People should be actually kept out of the country for at least 28 days. America is not prepared. G'day ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Butterfield Effect podcast for another week. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's been a big old week for poor old butts because I've been in the hospital, had a surgery on my leg. And I'm a very, very, very sad little sook when it comes to pain. So I've been sooking and whinging. And so if you see me freaking out during the show, moving around, I'm trying to get my leg up and all that rubbish. But uh, one of the things I'm also going to try and do in this show is not swear for the first five minutes. So YouTube might even think about uh, uh, monetizing this video. So we'll see how we go. But also in saying that with today's guest, it's very, very unlikely because... Because our guest today is someone very, very controversial. Now, he's a similar person to me because you either don't like him slash hate him or you absolutely love him. And I I feel that's something we have in common there. A lot of people label him a lot of things and that's something we're going to get to the bottom of today as well. And he's had a lot of run-ins with similar people that I've had run-ins with in the past. He's got a very interesting life. He also died... Yeah, died at the start of this year. So that's something I want to get into as well. But today, my podcast is with a very, very nice human being, Avi Yemeni. Are we good? I don't know. You're, you're sideways. Oh, Jesus Christ. I tried to do... Is that better? That'll do. That's perfect. What's happening, bros? Hey, mate. Friday morning, getting over my hangover. <laughs> All right, we're start, we're shooting because this is uh, this is quality stuff. Having a beer at eleven o'clock in the morning. What's happening? What are you dealing with at the moment? I feel like you're judging me, bro, and you're in no position to judge me because I think really the right thing to do is to start this off with you apologising for your white privilege. What your but people have done to my people. I feel like that is a, is, is a very important thing. One of the things that I think we should do in this country, alongside. Uh, acknowledging the uh, former custodians of the land before everything we do in life is acknowledging our white privilege and the fact that I have uh, had every other opportunity on earth other than uh, other than any, any other people of any other colour. I have every opportunity and they do not. And, I, and, and for that, I am sorry. Thank you. I feel better. But uh, it's just the start. Just know that that is not the end of your uh, journey of repentance it's just the beginning good thank you very much now avi um we have never spoken face to face we've had a couple opportunities too and they've always been interrupted by uh whether travel plans change or whatever but the first time we ever spoke was on the phone after i said some very naughty things at the melbourne comedy festival last year and uh i know i'm a bad dude and uh there was a joke that involved the word uh jew and uh, that was uh, how it transpired was I was uh, pretty heavily attacked by uh, the crime reporter from the Herald Sun, I believe, in Melbourne and uh, from the Anti-Defamation Commission. And, and uh, you were kind enough to give me a call as a Jewish man yourself and to just sort of calm the situation. It's funny because, firstly, um, it's funny that the Herald Sun are the ones that pushed that. Everybody thinks Murdoch newspaper, they're all right-wing, free speech, freedom fighters. But the truth is most of them are actually quite left-wing. Yep. The reporters themselves, it's, it's, it's just the, um, the commentators that, you know, the opinion writers that are actually right-wing. But it was funny because when that happened, my phone went off just as in Jews that I know, friends of mine that were outraged by, and I had private conversations like where I'm going, bro, really? Like, 
is it it's a joke he's yeah. i go i know who he is I, he's not a jew hater it's you know I, I put it to him how many times do you go to a comedy show or, or, or sat in a comedy show where somebody's made a joke about muslims or um you know africans or whatever and you laugh why is it so offensive he's, he obviously does not think the holocaust was a good thing that, it's a joke that was the big thing it was this lady who was upset at me and rightfully so it's an offensive piece now the actual joke itself was actually about vegans and that's uh the vegan community has come after you as well and that's something i'm sure we'll get into later in the show but the uh the joke itself was about vegan people the lady was very upset about that and she sent me an email but the thing is like that entire show was full of horrible shit i'm constantly talking and and talking in a horrible sense about different people minorities and groups but that's comedy exactly that's what's funny exactly and that's what i enjoy about stand-up now um, one of the things that I do, and a lot of people always talk about this, listen, in, in stand-up, the only thing you can do is punch up. You should only ever punch up. And I think that's absolute bullshit. I think you should bullshit. punch anywhere. Punch. Absolute it's coward punch, punch if you must. Better. Coward punch him. Hit him in the back of the head. Whatever. Whatever needs to be done, do that. As long as they're knocked out at the end is what, that's the objective. Mission as accomplished. As, I, I Honestly, I think it's, you, you know, it's like, I, it, I, I'm torn because when I talk to Jews and, uh, you know, obviously I grew up with Jews and, and it's like they're so sensitive about one subject and they think you just cannot joke about, especially outside of Israel. In Israel, it's a bit, there's a bit of a mix. Um, there they, they tend to be a bit more open-minded and have a laugh about, you know, at, at their own expense. That's all it is. It's having a laugh at your own expense, you know, and you've got to be willing to do it. I think comedy is the best way to do it. And, and what you're seeing now, you know, with yesterday, Netflix pulling those shows, it's where do you draw the line? If I'm not allowed to talk about, if I'm not allowed to joke about it, it's not even talk about it. So you weren't even being serious about it. But if I'm not allowed to joke about that, where, who gets to decide? what we're allowed to joke about now. And yeah. I think some, I think there's actually money to be made now because when Netflix is pulling down these shows, if somebody just opens a streaming service that will only run any banned shows. I, I think it's going to be Pornhub. The only thing yeah. you can go on is Pornhub and watch whatever you want. I can't wait to watch you on Pornhub, bro. I cannot wait. I can't. I've already got. I've I've got the oil ready beside my bed. The coconut oil is the best. The oil. The coconut oil. Harvey's <laughs> got no time for lube. It's only oil. No lube. It's for amateurs, bro. So with Netflix, they actually. Uh, I'm about to release, and this has been sort of announced um, softly, but I'm about to release my new special that was filmed last year, and with Netflix, Netflix had. They looked at it. And they uh, looked at it for about two or three weeks. And then the guys who took it to Netflix, they came back and said, listen, we feel it is for this moment in history too controversial to put this on their platform and they're not willing to take that risk. Now that's, to me, as a comedian, is highly fucking fucked up because that is exactly what we are trying to fight against. And people like... Uh, yourself, you know, myself and, and other people on like the internet who are just saying, okay, hey, everything is open. It's okay. Because you make a joke about the Holocaust or 9-11 or something horrible and heinous that has happened in human history doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, you, 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 happy, you are happy that that's happened it. or you yeah, applaud it's, it. It's, it's making a joke about a fact. Something happened. It's just like, it's, it's, you know, it started with you're not allowed to talk about it or you're not allowed to question things or you know you know that's how it started five years ago it was you were still allowed to joke about it if it was obvious that you're not supporting it and and back then i was sitting there going guys how can there be things off limit to discuss in a free society how is it that people you know some people that i hate uh you know groups that i thought were were bad but when I saw Facebook starting to pull down their pages, this is before everybody was talking about censorship, it was the first pages to be pulled down. And I said, that is dangerous. When somebody else gets to decide what is okay in, in, the, in the place of public discourse, 
what's okay to be discussed. It's a slippery slope and we're seeing it now and it's only getting worse and the Black Lives Movement, everything that's happening now is only making it worse. But to be honest, on one level, I feel like it's making it better because at the end of the day, I think um, people are going to be, people are looking at it going, this is, this is nuts. So it's going to open a market to where now suddenly where all those original voices that got shut down are going to have a, a space to talk because it's, it's unsustainable. You're not going to be able to keep this up where comedians can't joke about anything. And, it, you know, I, I don't know, what, what's the Aussie guy, um, the one yesterday that they pulled, uh, what's he, uh, summer, Chris the summer, Chris Lee. I don't know, is he even, uh, he's probably a left winger if I had to guess. He's probably not even right wing. I don't know, he's extremely racist and, apparently. Ah, mate. <laughs> but the point is that they're starting to eat their own and yes. that's where it's going and i think the fact that they're doing now that now only proves what i was saying from day day one and it's only going to help us because finally um there is going to have to be somewhere some place for these to be resurrected yes. and I, like what are they going to start deleting uh, what about what uh, what uh, white chicks don't they have white face they do, and, so and, and it's great, and it's wonderful. But if you if you decide that this is not okay for white people to do it, then you have to decide that it's okay for everybody not to be able to do it. It is an archetypal adage that you know you give an inch and you take a mile, or they take a mile rather, and that is what is uh -huh. happening here. We saw it in the '60s and the late '50s with people like Lenny Bruce, the comedian who was arrested four or five times because of vulgar language, like saying tits and cunt and all that type of stuff. He was, um, I don't even know if he said the Christ, You would have been beheaded. Oh, crap. I'm dead. I'm gone. I'm long gone. I'm buried. But this is the thing. Like he, he rose to the top. He was the cream of the crop because he was the only one willing to go out there and say, even though he faced all this backlash, whatever he wanted now i'm about to go on tour again and it is so i'm looking like right now i've got my notes on the other on the screen of some things i wanted to ask you but below it is the the show that i'm taking on tour and mate this year i'm fucking going full hog i don't give a fuck i'm going after everybody all right because i've tried to play it like semi-safe and sell it to netflix fuck all that shit i'm going hard in the paint fuck everybody else if i make you laugh great if you don't like it fuck off you know what? You know what's funny? The worst thing of, of coronavirus, what, what hit me hardest, is that just before lockdown, you gave me free tickets to your show. That's right. I did too. That was, so, I, no, I'll tell you right now, that was the most painful. I had to sit 12 weeks here and I promised my missus that I bought tickets, by the way, between us, I bought them. I promised <laughs> I was taking her on a date. This was the first freaking date that as a Jew, I was paying for officially. <laughs> And gone, dead. COVID nineteen ruined my life it and did. my reputation. It's ruined so a lot of people. To, I can't wait to come to your show again. By the way, I need those free tickets again. No, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. It, it, mate. I can't wait to get back down down in Melbourne down there. It's going to be great. But that's the thing. When is it going to be? When, like, soon? Hopefully, they'll just let they'll just go. All right. What do you enough. mean? What do you mean? Well, no. What are you talking about, mate? We cannot have people gathering unless Black Lives Matter. But aside from that, people cannot gather more than, what is it, 20 now? I went to that bloody <laughs> protest. It was mental. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about was the protest video that you just uploaded just uh, this week, last week for people watching this now. Now, you uploaded that maybe, what, Monday, Sunday, whenever that was? Uh, Monday, yeah, Monday, it's yeah. It's got millions of views. How has yep. the response been uh, on your side? If you could take people who haven't seen it through, what happened? It's funny. So basically, I just rocked up there and do what I do. That's I, I love. That's where that's that's the best part of my job. Where I go to rallies, and I go there with a couple of questions. That you know, the idea of it is to show that all these people that go to these rallies generally don't know the most basic thing about what they're protesting. And it works every time because they don't. And, you know, some of them are good people and they're just misguided. But, you know, to, on the weekend we had what is whatever it is, 40,000 people, they say, that gathered in Melbourne uh, to protest this, you know, George Floyd thing. And they were breaking COVID-19 restrictions. So really, 
you know, putting, if you, if you believe it's a risk, which they're all the same people that a few weeks ago were condemning those little protests against the lockdown because it's so dangerous. So if you believe it, so you're willing to put millions of Australians at risk. So it must be pretty important and you need to do it right now. But you go there, you ask them basic questions like, you know, do you know Justin Damon, the white Aussie chick that was also murdered by a cop by a Minnesota police? None of them even bloody know her name. Then they start throwing statistics at you like, oh, what about the 432 Indigenous deaths in custody? And it's like, all right, how many white people died in custody at that same time? Guess what? It's about 2,000. But that doesn't matter because, oh, what about the incarceration rates of uh, Indigenous people? It's like, okay, guys, what are they in jail for? You want to lower incarceration rates? Do you want to stop jailing murderers? child rapists, actual domestic violence, you know, this is the craziness and they don't know anything at all. So I went there and I put those basic questions to them and what's interesting is it's had, I think, I've looked at the statistics this morning, the analytics, and it's about across the platform, so Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and it's got about 4.5 million Australian hits. So if you think wow. of that, that's, that's, that's one in five, one in six Aussies have watched at least 10 seconds of that freaking video and it hasn't made it to the mainstream media. Not one. That is the most watched Black Lives Matter footage in Australia, but the project don't run it. And why is that? There's a question. The, que the answer to that. Because hey. I look better than Waleed. <laughs> Waleed will never give anything to you. The thing is they refuse, they refuse to run things like that. Now, they have been doing that for the longest time. If they, they don't recognise what you do as real journalism, they don't recognise what I do as real entertainment. And they, the reason they don't do that well, is because uh, they're, they're right about the latter. Thank they're you. Not fucking funny, thank, bro. Thank you very much. They don't do that because it threatens them. It threatens everything yeah, that they do. And they know yes. that if you start recognising Avi, who's out on the streets asking questions, hard questions. As soon as we start recognizing him, all of a sudden it boosts his profile and he takes our spot and they refuse to do that. Now, with, um, with the Black Lives Matter movement and particularly the Indigenous deaths in Australia, one of the interesting things that came out was uh, a link to, I don't know if it was the Australian Bureau of Statistics or it was the Crime Statistics, where whoever does that yep. uh, for the government. Those uh, 400 plus... Uh, indigenous people who died between 1991 and I guess it was 2018. Uh, I think those, those stats are between two, uh, 91 since the Royal Commission and 2016 or okay. 17. Yeah. So a large percentage, over half of those were 58%. 58% were natural deaths. Natural deaths. 37% so, uh, are drug and suicide. So uh, uh, overdoses and suicide. Then there's five percent remainder, which are external um, injuries, right? And that's mostly. And you're talking about 490, uh, 432 deaths over uh, twenty, almost thirty years. So the five percent, you're talking about one every couple of years yes. that came from external injuries, which is punch-ons in jail. There is maybe one or two cases in the thirty years that they're talking about that maybe a cop was involved mm. and should be condemned. But yes. the funny thing is, if you, if you compare those statistics to Indigenous people in their own goddamn communities, they are way more likely to die from the same causes. So but if, you really, if, if you're really worried about the black lives and you want to do anything to protect them, then locking them up in jail is going to protect them. I'm just, I'm not saying we should lock them all up in jail because that is actually wrong. But if your argument is we need to protect the black lives at any cost, then jail is actually protecting them. Yes. Now, one of the things that I have been struggling to comprehend in my mind, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot, a lot and the, the thing is with this thought is, it ebbs and flows how I take it on board. Uh, and, I, I, and I try and be introspective with my own thoughts and not being in that environment. But the incarceration rate for Indigenous people in Australia is far higher than everyone else. Now, yep. why is that? Is that because 
where they come from. Do they see their uncle in jail? Do they see their dad in jail? Is it is it is it a bad um, is it a bad environment that they're in? Do they not see the ability to go and and find a quality employment and get out of that shithole? Is it because there are a lot of people, for example, in Western Australia, the Northern Territory, in rural areas that live basically a hundred years ago they're living that old environment and all they have access to is uh enormous amounts of um, homegrown alcohol and, and drugs and shit like that and they don't have the ability to bring themselves out of this hole that they are in now is that the case is it a cultural thing is it uh is it this war against white people that that, that, that seems to exist between indigenous and white people which is very unfortunate is it real racism I, I, I don't actually think there's that i think the war is much um smaller than is portrayed i think it's oh, a lot of white people that are, that are making it yeah absolutely because i finally enough I've, I've from that video i've received Heaps of messages from Aboriginal people that support it. Yep. Because they so, just want to be, I, I, they don't want to see be seen as victims. That victimhood. No, I, I, I think I, I think I think it's a mix of everything you're saying. And my point of that video, for example, is why don't you protest for the cause? Why don't you target the cause? The fact is there is a problem. Is it systemic racism? No, because the Systemic racism did not cause that guy to murder. It did not cause that guy to abuse a child or beat his wife. Like, it, di it didn't cause that. Systemic racism is the biggest scam. You, there's good studies in the, in the States especially, because I actually worked in um, South Jamaica, where 50 Cent and Ja Rule are from. And it's interesting because you go there and you see shit holes. Um, and... You know, they use those kind of areas as, as examples to push this narrative of systemic racism. But there, are certain, there have been studies which show that there are certain groups that live in those areas that actually do better than, so African groups that do better than white people in, their, in, in other areas. Um, and what, what the point of the, the study shows is that it actually had nothing to do with specifically where you lived. It had to do with, your culture, your upbringing. So these were conservative kind of Africans that were, they happened to be, um, uh, I think they were very Christian and whatever. And they thrived because for them, education was important. And, you know, the whole system of the family values was important. And they thrived. They did well, whether they stayed in the neighborhood or moved out. So when it comes, I would say the biggest, um, the biggest contributor to those stats is culture and the fact that we, the rest of society, you know, pushes them, encourages it, encourages victimhood and victim mentality and give, give, give. Like, at what point do we stop? At what point do we say, all right, take some personal goddamn responsibility? Like, no one made you do all those things. N you know, no, I, I still think white people should apologize just because I like it. It sounds cool. Um, <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's, you know, personal responsibility. And I think that if we encourage that, you will see these cultures change. But whilst we allow it to happen and we encourage it, why would they change? If you get everything given to you, the more, the more you complain, the more you blame everyone else, the more we give you, the more we're sorry. Why would anyone change? Think about a child. If you do that to a child, if you have a kid and instead of getting him in trouble for the you know his naughty behavior and instead you go oh i'm so sorry that i you know i treated you I, I i punished you this morning i didn't give you dessert last night it's my fault that this morning you stole an ice cream from the from 7-eleven like that's not how it works that's not how you encourage good behavior no and with what you're saying i think it's 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 very close to the most offensive thing you could say to someone in one of those protests, because it goes against everything that they believe, whether or not they're educated on the subject or not. For my thoughts on the systemic racism side of the argument is it is definitely not the issue that people are making it out to be. 50 years ago, it was fucking everywhere. 100%. That yeah. bubbler shit, the back of the yeah. bus bullshit, this whole thing yeah. that black people are animals. Geez, someone's going to use that as a fucking soundbite. <laughs> I'm, cu I'm cutting that. I'm cutting that. And I'm like, just quiet. Why do I say that? Rewind. Um, 
But like things like that, they are horrible examples of way of ways yeah. that the government, uh, non-government organisations, and people in general treated people who were not their colour, not their creed, not their yeah. religion, like shit. And that is fucking horrible. I think that some people still have those thoughts, but it is not widespread. It is not the minority of minority toothless freaking hillbillies that live in their own head. Do, do you know what? One of the arguments that everyone keeps bringing up to me uh, when I'm t- saying everyone, I'm talking about <laughs> the people I surround myself with, the unwashed. They always say to me, oh, isn't it true that, uh, you know, African-Americans or even here Aboriginals are pulled over and, and uh, you know, targeted, uh, they, what is it called? They're racially profiled. And I said to them, you know what's funny? Innocent people who are racially profiled accept it. Like, for example, me. My, I'm, I'm, my background is Yemen. My mum's from Yemen. You know, that's where Bin Laden was goddamn born. Right. Now, when I jump on a plane, if I get profiled and strip searched, I feel safer because I look like the goddamn enemy. I fit the profile. I prefer that they target me. And in Israel, when I served as a soldier, we learned to racially profile because it is the most effective way to do it. One time I caught a plane from Sydney to Melbourne and I got, uh, there was a, there was a, like a uh, maybe 75 year old white dude. No chance he fit any profile of a terrorist. There was no bomb. He was not carrying a bomb. I checked. No bomb. He was behind me. I walked through, nobody even looked at me. He got randomly checked. And I'm thinking, how does that work? In what world would you even put him into a system where it's just random and picks him? It just doesn't make sense. Mm. And I feel safer if I'm taken. Mm. Now, the same thing applies. Like in Melbourne, we've had, you know, these uh, Sudanese gangs, you know, terrorizing our state. Now, would you as a Victorian, who's being completely level-headed, not racist, but if the police seen a car at two o'clock in the morning packed with teenage, you know, gangster, wannabe um, African-American gangsters in the car, would you not want the police to pull them over and just check what's up to protect? Or is that bad? Because, because that's exactly what it is. You know what? There are some bad cops and I've met them. I meet them from time to time at different protests as well that love the power, love to abuse power. They're scum. They should be called out. They should be fired, whatever. But the majority are just doing their job and they want to keep the community safe. Now, if you want to tell them that they can't profile a group because it's offensive to somebody, to somebody, anyone that's innocent, that doesn't feel guilty about potentially doing the crime, they don't mind being pulled over if it's going to protect their family in their own hood. Like if you're an African-American in a, in, 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 who lives in a neighborhood that's got high crime and you could see how just by driving, you, you know, they pull you over and, and then they check it and you're fine, then you will feel safer knowing the cops are doing that. But now they're, tying, they're trying to make it the cops can't even do their, their jobs. And it's all under this idea that it's, it's racism to put people to profile people, which that's the oldest thing in the book when it comes to policing or military or whatever. So I'm just going around in circles here because I like no, the sound it, of my it, it makes sense because if you're at an airport and you're working security and there's, you know, Sydney Airport, what, 10,000 people a day and you've got to somehow pick up who's the biggest threat, you're going to go with the brown dude with the beard. I mean, I get picked up with this fucking thing all the time. I always get yeah. <laughs> Every fucking time I go through the airport, oh, sir, you just got randomly selected. And I feel racially profiled or, or, or follically profiled, perhaps, is the better term. But it makes sense. If you've got 10,000 people coming through and you've only got eight man hours to weed through all of those individuals, you're going to go with the people who look like they are Islamic. You fit that profile. Exactly. You're going to go with that. You should go with that. The problem in the West is that they're so scared about offending people that they rather put the rest of us at risk by not doing, you know, it's like they almost, they almost specifically don't target. Like they will avoid the actual potential threat as not to be, you know, uh, point, you know, so no one points a finger at them going, Oh, you see this whole thing is built on systemic racism, systemic racism. I love when they use that in that video that I did the other day. 
you know, I'm, I, when they use it, I go, okay, I, I like the, you know, I like the term. It sounds cool. Systemic mm. racism. What does it mean? What does it mean? What, what do you feel is racist in Australia? What do they get, you know, what is happening to them? What are we doing to, to anyone to target them, you know, systemically? And they can't answer anything because it makes no, there is nothing. Like, which, I was having this conversation with my other brown mate the other day. And I was, it's funny because I rocked up to that rally. We were all people of color. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, why don't you talk to the Aboriginals? Why don't you talk to them? Because there was no goddamn Aboriginals that I could find. They were all freaking white. Yeah. And, and, and like, I'm rocking up with these people. Of color. And we were talking, okay. Um, what the hell was I just saying? I forgot. You turned up with your, uh, your, your, your group of people of color. Oh, no. So what we were saying to each other is that it's funny because Aussies mostly don't judge people based on how they look. It's on how you act, right? So why is it that people often um, treat Aboriginals different? And I'm just, like, the truth is that sometimes when you go to these areas, they are acting, the ones that you're seeing on the street are acting in a particular way that makes you feel uncomfortable, not about their skin colour, just about their behaviour. It's just like when a white junkie walks up to you in a train station, you're like, oh, I don't want nothing to do with this goddamn junkie. Yeah. It's not his skin colour. It's literally how people behave to how you treat them. It's, just, it's like mm -hmm. Sudanese in Victoria. If you see a bunch of wannabe um, African-American gangsters standing on the, on the side of the street with fucking bandanas and they're like, we are, we're, we're, we're from the Crips, you know, whatever it's called, you know. You just go, oh, I'm just going to avoid that group because they may try rob me because that's part of what they're trying to emulate. But then if you see like a bunch of well-dressed Sudanese men in a suit and tie, you're not going to feel that way. No. And well, that's, would, that's the point. What would happen if those 40,000 people that were in the protest the other day, out of that number, how many of those people would walk down the street in Melbourne, stand down Flinders Street, and see a group of uh, Sudanese guys at two in the morning who had bandanas on or whatever, would they walk straight through them or would they cross the street? Because if they don't... If they don't walk straight through them and say "Good evening, sir," they are racist. systemically racist. Yes, that's it, and that's that's the th that's the thing. It's just such a joke. These people, uh, none of it makes sense, and it's getting worse and worse. And it's weird. It's just weird. And then you sit there and you you apply their own logic to them. Hmm. That's what I do in a lot of that in those videos, and they get baffled because they. They have this internal conflict, you know. I'm a white person talking to a person of colour. I've got to have respect, but he's the wrong person of colour because he has different thoughts. What do I do? And, and Daniel you, Andrews, help me. If you have that feeling, then you are what is the second buzzword after, um, you know, uh, systemic racism, which is a fascist, which is fascist. thrown around hilariously. Now, Hitler... That's a fascist, okay? Me, who's been called a fascist, not a fascist. Like it's it's fucking hilarious. I made a joke. Mate, I'm once, called an actual Nazi, and which I'm is hilarious. An actual Nazi. Like my grandparents escaped the horrors of the Holocaust from my dad's side. My grandfather from Poland has the the swastika on his um, certificate before wow. the. He, yeah, from university, and he escaped, right? He, he just had to get it and then came to Australia. These, like, for me, when I was a kid and somebody would say, oh, that guy's a neo-Nazi, like, I would I, I would get scared and the hairs on my, you know, you just think. And nowadays when somebody goes, oh, that's a Nazi, you just go, oh, I'll probably like that bloke. Not because I like Nazis. They're going to cut that with the other thing you said. <laughs> the reason why is because everybody's a Nazi. Like, I'm a Nazi. Now they've realised how ridiculous, you know, I've made, numerous videos where I just cut, you know, I, I used to go to the rallies with a kipper on my head, not because I'm religious. I grew up Orthodox, but I'm not, but I used to wear it just to, sh just to show people how ridiculous the argument is when you walk up and I'm a proud Jew. I'm not religiously Jewish. People might get confused, but culturally um, I'm Jewish and I love my heritage and I love my people and I rock it up there proud and they call you a Nazi. And you just go, that, that's, that term has lost all meaning. And the reason why is because you guys are so intolerant.
Is that a word? Yeah. Intolerant? Yeah. yeah. No, so, they, they are, and they've moved the goalposts. And that's the big thing because a lot of people, particularly uh, mainstream people who don't have anything to do with any of our channels or any of that type of shit, they've never had a, a good think about what other people are calling different people, all that business. They hear someone called uh, a fascist or far right or Nazi. And all of those things, both of us have been called. And all of a sudden they're going, holy shit, this dude's fucking crazy. Like he must be pushing extremist views. Where if they took exactly. the time, they'd go, oh no, that's just, that's just an obvious thought to have. One of the people that has, uh, he had a run at me a couple of months ago, uh, Tom Tanuki. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that, bro. That guy made a reaction to my video, um, the one we're talking about. And he's, he's the head of yelling at racist dogs. He, he's one of the most infamous Antifa guys, anti-fascists. Yeah. You know, AB, ABC turns to that guy for comments about fascism and racism. And really? Respect. That, yeah. He, uh, YouTube M, he is the, he's the voice of reason. <laughs> He's a fucking idiot, that cunt. He's Honestly, an idiot and he's a fool. He's like, he's actually, like, I, I don't mind talking to anyone. Enga like, I'll engage with the enemy. I have no problem because I believe in what I'm saying and I feel like I can back it. Their whole tactic is yelling at racist dogs. It's exactly what it sounds like, yelling at racist dogs. And so then, but he did a reaction and I, like, I got excited. I was like, cool, this can be great. And I sat down and actually watched this guy's um, reaction. And I encourage you all to go watch it. It's like, it makes no sense. He's arguing, the, the only points that he, um, that he argues, you know, the actual uh, stats or whatever, those ones he actually just gets wrong. That, like he just makes up a number without no source, wrong. Um, but everything else is just personal attacks, uh, swearing, you know. And these are the guys who are meant to be teaching us about tolerance. And, you know, the funny thing is, he's some middle-aged white dude. Uh, according to his own thing, he should be kneeing, kneeling. He yeah. should take a knee, motherfucker. He should be washing, washing your feet. That's what Tom... Yeah. Mate, I'd have Tom on this podcast. I said that to him. I said, let's chat about it because I feel like... You can't. He's scared. He will never He will never talk to anyone that puts him on the spot. The funny thing is his reaction video, which I'm thinking of doing a reaction to the reaction just because it's going to be so so Do much it. fun. Do it for sure. But, but he's like... I'll, I go on the street and, you know, it, it, it can get difficult to come up, like to, to sometimes I watch it back and go, fuck, I had a better, I had a better response I could have come up with to that. Because you're on the spot, you're quick. And also you've got to remember you're in enemy territory where at any point you can be attacked. So you've got a number of things that you're, you're considering while you're talking to people. And I still manage to, you know, because it's not very hard. Like I get it, low hanging fruit. Yep. Yeah, not really, yeah. But this guy, he takes my video that he has all the time in the world to consider what he's going to say, and he still doesn't put forth a logical, sensible argument. And you just go, okay, there's no chance that guy's going to want to talk to you live because if I was that stupid, I would hopefully be smart enough to know that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to talk to those type of people that have said those things, particularly about me, because it's... I think I can have that conversation with people, not in not in person I, or on stage or anything. I get too I, I get too aggressive. It's it's not aggressive like throwing punches, but just yelling at people. Um, but like the yelling at racist. I've seen I've seen one of your stand up things. You're quite rude. I'm quite rude. I'm a pig. I'm a piece yeah. of shit. But the whole yelling at racist dogs. Twenty years ago, if you come up with that, people will be like, "Yeah, fucking eyes, yell at those people." But once you move the, move the goalposts and anyone and, is a and racist. And it's so funny, like, when, when, when you get into arguments now, they go, oh, obviously he's anti-Antifa. Antifa's anti-fascist, which must mean he's pro-fascism. Yes. And I'm like, bro, just because you call... Okay, that's like, that's like if a rapist says he's anti-rape, but he still rapes. So if you're anti-him for raping suddenly you're pro like it doesn't make any freaking sense just because you call yourself something it doesn't make you that no it doesn't make it so and by definition they are just not 
at all what they call themselves. It's And it's quite, what it does is it takes up the power away from the word. Now, 70 years ago, at the end of World War II, fascism was a filthy word. It was yep. something that people looked at in disgust. That's what your yep. brothers and your fathers and your sons died to fight against. All of a sudden, when you act like the boy who cries wolf, when you start screaming fascism at every single person Everything. who agrees with you, you take the power away from that word. And that is so dangerous. That is so it's wrong. It's sad. And, and it's sad. And like, like, I, like I'm telling you from a Jewish perspective, it's, I, I, I had a, uh, uh, there was a time where it just made me sad. Like now I'm just used to it because I've been in, in this for a while now, but there was a period where I was conflicted. I'm like, I don't want to act like Nazi doesn't mean anything, but what do I do? What do I do? Do I sit there and every time I get an allegation of being a Nazi, do I just, do I stand there and defend myself and justify why I'm not, I'm not playing your goddamn game. So I'm like, you know, you've redefined the term. So we're just going to, we'll just go with that. And you've, you've taken away that you've done exactly what the Nazis would have wanted. You've made their term not so bad anymore. Yeah. That's a really interesting way to look at it. It's not a dirty word. They're making so it, it easier. It used to be dirty and now it's not. Now you hear it every day. It's part of the common vernacular. If you disagree with someone when they're a Nazi. You're a Nazi. You're and and people like Tom who have adopted this mentality, it is very strange to be to think that this is a man, a grown man sitting at home with his bald spot, thinking to himself, "Okay, I am an anti-fascist. I am yelling at racist dogs," and yet doesn't have the introspection within himself to look at the ideas and the ideologies that he has and spouts, and think to himself, "Oh well, that doesn't really all add up." Man, if I was pushing that shit and I didn't fucking have the balls to go, okay, maybe I'm wrong. I do that all the time on my channel. I wave up both yeah. sides of the argument. And sometimes I sit on the fence because that's what needs to be done. A lot of the time, these fights, these arguments, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And people like Tom refuse to have that as even something that is possible to bring on board. And that is fucking shameful. Fuck you, Tom, you stupid cunt. I can't wait for his reaction to this oh, part. Oh, fuck him. No one watches the channel anyway. The fucking reason. I oh, know. You know what's funny? He, he did that video, and and then I just I just cut a little preview and put it on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter one, I don't know. In a couple of hours, got ten thousand views, <laughs> and, and and his like shameful little cries got two hundred and fifty views in like twenty four hours. And you're like, poor Tom. He's really Mate. trying. He's got a he's got a Patreon. Like he? the guys, he's got Patreon. He's, he calls it his trade. I'm like, that is the worst goddamn tradie there is. Hang on. Patreon Tom Tanuki. I'm looking forward to Tom going on my Patreon too. <laughs> Hang on. I'll just bring it up. I don't know if you can see it. I know you're on your phone. I can't see anything. Oh, hang on. I haven't put it's it up. From, is it it's not from the beard. No, nah, that's not it. Ah, oh, fuck. If it. you go to... If you go to his Twitter, he's posted it because he's he, like he's encouraging people to support his trade. I won't. Uh, I'm going to share the screen, but I don't want to do it now while I'm searching because some fucking porn will dirty shit. Yeah, dirty yeah shit come up some. Well, well, I don't blame you. So Pornhub did have uh, they they were giving it weren't they giving it away for free? The um, yeah, I signed up for it. It was great. But now it's uh, it's Ebony Month, I think. Oh yeah, for Black Lives Matter, isn't it? I love how they they they're getting behind the cause in the only way they know. Uh, all right, can you see that? Yep. Okay, yelling at racist dogs, Tom Tanuki. Uh, isn't that? Is it? Go down, yeah. Patreon, there it is. There we go. Click away. Tom Tanuki is creating uh, stories, characters, laughs, and a hub for Oz activism. So you can be daddy. Oh, Jesus Christ, Tom. <laughs> Shadow financier double daddy. For $10, you can be a ruthless, scheming triple daddy. Fucking hell, dude. Ultra findom, ultra quad. Do you know any of these fucking words, Harvey? No, but you know what I'm funny? These clowns, they always go on about how, you know, they're like, oh, 
you know, a few months, maybe before he opened his Patreon and then he shut up about it, but they go on about how, uh, like alt media, people like us, tr.news, you know, where, where we always put a thing like, if you want to support our work, go to tr.news forward slash support. You know, I did that at the end of all my videos because that's how we're funded, but we're funded by the people. And they like have always made fun of that idea. And then suddenly they jump on Patreon and start their own and they don't talk about it at all. It's actually really similar in the, uh, in the comedy industry. Uh, I am seen as the dark horse which is probably a bad term for the, the current climate, but I'm seen as the dark horse because I, I'm... Is that like black... Are you black-facing in words? That's... I, I'm pushing a black narrative. I, um, I, I'm a dude who makes content on the internet and that's seen as something that you shouldn't do because that's like... That's... Um, <clears throat> what's the word I'm searching for? It's, 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 it's you know, it's looked down upon. It's the... It's, uh, Amateur it's, wannabe. Yeah, yeah, all that shit. So... Uh, people in the comedy industry just don't don't like me. Whatever, that's fine. But all of a sudden, because they realise that this is the only way that you get anywhere in comedy, anywhere in the world, every big comedian has a social it's media following yeah. everywhere. Look at the biggest YouTube star, Joe Rogan. Massive. Just signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. If Spotify. anyone's not a fucking uh, YouTube star, you're a fool, all right? That's where he gets his yeah. views, his listens, all that shit. Now, he is leading the comedy game. Why would you not do exactly what he's doing? If that is the way to do it, you can go and do dingy pubs all you want and you will never be successful and that's fucking fine. But this Because how many people do you get in a dingy pub? The biggest dingy pub. How many people are you going to get? Oh, it depends. Over mic nights, you can have six people there and four of them are comics. But let's say the biggest ones. Well, how many are you going to get? A big one, a big pub. I mean, I do pubs in regional places. You can put 200 people in there. Depends. Okay, 200 people. If you put, if you put a video online, your shittiest video, how many are you going to get? My shittiest video? Well, I was angry the other day because the video only got 90,000 views in a day. I was pretty upset with myself. Yeah, I would be. Um, delete yourself. Delete the account. No, but that, but that, but that's that's the point. Is like you guys, what the amount of work you're going to do to promote yourself in in pubs. You do it in five minutes online, so you can. They can have, but that's the thing. Like they, they always um, attack you, then they make fun of you, and then they join you. Yeah, that's the way it works. It's because they were always waiting to get picked up by Channel Ten or the ABC. Yeah, put on the yeah. Telly. Now that no one gives a fuck about the telly, they're realizing, oh fuck, I should have started doing this internet shit years ago because that's where everybody is. But anyway, I talk about that way too fucking much. One of the things I wanted to talk about with you is the uh and we spoke about it on the phone two years ago but the jim jeff is that is that is that conversation where we were that one what with the oil no go on <laughs> when you put a hidden camera in your interview with oh, jim jeffries now i want to know that whole story i want to know I, I i don't want to know the ins and outs of um what's happening with it now i'm sure you can't yeah. talk about it or anything like that but I want to know what happened, if you can take me through it. Yeah, so basically he, his producer called me. Um, I think I was in Israel at the time. He was doing a tour in Australia. And he goes, listen, we, we're doing a show for Comedy Central. Um, would you be interested in being, uh, being interviewed for it? It's about, uh, I, can't remember. I can't remember what the what it was framed as, but whatever. And I go to him, I'm cool to do it. But I did notice uh, there was a couple of people that I wouldn't want to be associated with within the context of we're aligned together. I've noticed that online they're posting that, um, that that you've approached them. So if you're having them on the show, cool, I've got no problems. But I don't want to be put together and portrayed together with them. Um, and they're like proud neo-Nazis, axle Nazis. So like, I don't want that because I know, I just don't want to be framed. I don't give a shit. They can talk all they want and you can have them on. I don't care, but I don't want it to be framed that me and the neo-Nazis are together um, because that's what they love to do. And I said, if you can agree to that, I've, uh, what was the other condition? There was one more condition. Anyways, I said to him, I'm happy to do it, but if you agree to that, I'm just not in Australia at the moment. So we'll, uh, when I get back to Australia, we can do it. And they came back to me. They go, yeah, no worries. We've agreed. That's not a problem. Uh, but 
we'll do it in Singapore. And they flew me over to Singapore. And you think I trusted these pricks, I knew what they were up to. Uh, with, I flew to Singapore. They paid for everything, hotels, great. I sit down at the interview. I swear to God, I had two mobile phones in my pockets. I just laid them on the side. These guys are so self-absorbed that they didn't notice me laying down. I propped them up with pillows. It was a couch. It was in like some bar. I propped them up with pillows. I think I even, like, I, I gave it a little brush because it was just, I knew how sexy that phone was going to be after the fact. <laughs> and, uh, and then we did the interview. He was all right. He was like, I kind of, sometimes I liked his, like he was, he used to be better than he is now, but whatever. He, I never. I never had a problem with him. Man, but I, I, knew, I used I, to love Jim Jeffries. His, la, his first like four specials. I think some of his original amazing. stuff, I, some of his original stuff I liked, right? And I got on perfectly with him. Like you, you can check out my Patreon. It's actually still up there, the entire hour conversation. Or you can go check out Tom Tanuki. Um, and so we're, we're, we've had this uh, conversation and um, then what about in here from him? It was uh, a few months later. I was actually at a, it was a Jewish holiday, Purim. So somebody goes, oh my God, did you see Jim Jeffries a few hours ago? The, it was right after the Christchurch massacre. He's basically put me in as this extremist, chopped everything up, put certain questions with other answers and made it look like I'm a total fuckwit. Somebody I would hate. Um, and so I went and published yeah, you know, I, I, I did a video where I just took the parts that he'd cut and then showed what I really answered to each question. And then I was on my Patreon. I just put the full hours of people who can be bothered watching the whole thing and see the context of everything um, can see it. And uh, that's then then I came back to the show. It was quite fun because they've ignored it. They've never answered it. He's It's still up on their sites. You know, they, they, they never apologized for... You know, you can say it's a comedy show, but there are a lot of people that get their news from those, you know, it's just like the project. You can call it a comedy show to avoid any accountability. But the fact is that a lot of millennials get their news from the project and same as Jim Jeffries. And um, so then I decided with uh, a mutual friend, Sydney Watson, we're going to head to America and we're going to track him down and have a conversation. Right. And when I got to, yeah, when I got to the States, well, she's, Sydney's a, uh, she's an American citizen. Hmm. So we got to America. Um, we arrived there. The FBI were waiting for me. Really? They'd been, yeah, they'd been tipped off about a potential terrorist entering the States coming to <laughs> conduct. They were actually all right guys. It was a, a man and a woman and we had a conversation. And they were like, like, we got on. It wasn't bad, but. Uh, and they cleared me of the terrorism charges, which is quite offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it would be fun to be, you know, under. Anyway, they, they, uh, and, uh, but what, what ended up happening is it triggered a, a um, as soon as you get into that kind of situation, it triggers a, a double check of your visa waiver. And I'd been on the visa waiver six months earlier. I'd yep. been on it. In fact, the head of um, immigration there, she was a massive fan of mine. And she was like, bro, I love your work. I really want you to get Jim Jeffries. The problem is that years before that, I had been rejected a visa. Uh, and so I had to, so about 10, 15 years ago. And so technically you can't use a visa waiver then. Even though six months ago on that same visa waiver, I was... Um, I'd, I'd got in there. So they said, just go back home and reapply. And you, there's no problem. You haven't got, you're not blacklisted or anything. You can come back in. She goes, and please do it because I want to see you confront Jim Jeffries. Um, and then, so I went back home, whatever. So we started legal things there as well, because uh, there's a bit of a problem when you, there's actual laws around giving false uh, police complaints, you know, can, claiming that I'm a terrorist is in itself uh, questionable, but they are massive companies, so it's another whole thing. But uh, Jim Jeffries' uh, show has since been pulled. Yeah. Um, I, I did. W I did go to Israel to confront mm -hmm. him as well because you know I have Israeli citizenship, and they ain't deporting me there. In fact, a lot of Israelis would enjoy 
the kind of stuff that I was doing. But um, even there, they like you. There's a video online where I'd yeah, gone to it. confront him, and he's just like the protocols it set up. Um, I don't want to sound like a stalker or anything, but Jimmy boy, your day is coming. We shall get face to face one day. And all I want him to answer is why is he such a pussy and why did he edit it? And why once he got called out, did he just not own it? You know, is that like, I understand comedy and I understand also editing footage i do it you know no one wants to watch the hour and a half conversation no one wants to watch the full two hours of me at a rally but it is morally wrong to interview somebody and then cut their answers to make them look like they're hmm. support you know they made me out like i support the christchurch massacre yes i may have issues with islamic ideology points within islam uh, and i think if you if you don't say it's Islam and you actually talked about these issues, everybody would agree or anybody with any sort of moral compass would agree. Um, but to paint me as somebody that supports the idea of going into a mosque and shooting up and killing innocent people, that's vile. In fact, I condemned it at the time. I think that's like, that's mental. You're a bad person. I don't know how you can do that. And then I don't know how you can then go and paint somebody as somebody who supports that when they obviously don't. So that's where it's at. And uh, I was I was grateful that I filmed it. I think for Jim, it's sort of one of these situations where he's filmed it and then the editors have just gone, fuck, let's just go free range with this shit. You called because out. I know a lot, of people, a lot of people have said that and tried to, you know, dissolve him of any sort of responsibility. The, point, the problem I have with that is that when you watch his the final edit, it, he is the one who does the intro, who talks about it, who makes fun of it, who cracks the joke, all in right. line with this edit. So he knows. I don't care who edited it. Fine, he didn't edit it. His producers told him to do that. Mate, have a backbone and tell them, fuck you, I'm not taking somebody and turning them into something they're not. He mm. didn't actually say that. Mm. I can't produce that. And he didn't do that. So, And he knows he didn't do that. And... The company, they, mate, it's funny because anytime he, even now, what is it, a year and a half later, anytime he posts anything, you always see those comments. I'm still getting tagged and things. They tried, they blocked anyone who was talking about it on Instagram, on his Twitter. They tried their hardest to make that story go away. It didn't go away. It doesn't go away. To be honest, if he just owned it at the time and apologized, it would have been embarrassing. Yeah. But it would have just gone away. But he wouldn't have done that. His management would have been like, do not mess it, do not post about it, go radio silent and it'll all blow over. That's the advice I've received when certain things have happened. Just go radio yeah. silent. But it's such a shit way of dealing with stuff. Pussy. It's a pussy way to do it. If you do something wrong, own it. Like, I'll exactly. do that. I've done things wrong. Hardly. Never. But <laughs> once or twice. But yeah, you have to own Honestly. that shit. Otherwise, it'll come back to bite you on the ass. And it always will. And, and also, where... like, whatever. Who cares? It's like you do shit wrong. Yeah. And 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 you fucked up, bro. You tried to set me up and I got one on you. Just own it. Give me my... Give, give me the credit I deserve, bitch. And people have been saying, listen, Jim took the money and all that type of shit. And he did. He changed the way he thought. He performed all that yep. shit for money. Yeah. And I would, too. If you throw a hundred mil or not a hundred mil, he said it to me. If you watch the entire, if you watch the entire thing, I challenge him on that. I go, bro, you know, a lot of us in Australia liked you back in the beginning, but then you know you sold out. Why'd you sell out? He goes, why did I sell out? Because, like, oh, why did I want the good life in Hollywood with the, you know? And it's true. It's like, yeah. well, you know what? He he owned that to me secretly, but he didn't publish that. I, I, I published it, but he didn't, he didn't, he would never publicly say that, which is true. Like, it's understandable. Fine. That's like, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't actually hold any real substantial opinion or worldview on anything. No. He doesn't care. No he way. Doesn't care. He, yeah, um, when you watch his original comedy, he, like, <laughs> he's the most racist person there is, like within comedy, which is fine. Good on him. Yeah. But don't now pretend like you're better than now. But I mean, he, you know, he's got a story on one of his specials about 
you know, pulling a vibrating egg out of his asshole, you know, shit like that. And now he's trying to be this moral superior person. I understand that there's a difference between comedy and these shows. Like I, I do it with videos. Sometimes I'm talking mad shit. I'm just being weird. And other times I'm trying to make a point. I get that, but you can't just pretend that that doesn't exist. And I think that I feel that's like, that's what he is doing. And I hope you do have a conversation with him. And knowing you, it's not going to be an aggressive. Mark my words. One day there will be a conversation. That's what I want more than anything. I don't even get, like, I don't care about the legal thing. I I don't care. Everyone goes on about that shit. I'm like, it's not as easy as you think. It's quite expensive and quite tough. Yes. Um, Especially when you've got, Viacom or whatever that company is, huge companies. So it ain't as easy as you think, even though it's so blatantly wrong. Mm. And like I did, I did sign a piece of paper before. Apparently, like I don't even remember, but do you know what I mean? Like it's not that easy. Yeah. I didn't really care about that. One day, I've still got a long while to live. I promise you, that me and Jimmy are gonna come face to face, and there will be a conversation. He might have got pretty excited about what six months ago, three months ago, when uh, the stresses of the job and uh, a lot of other factors came into play, and you died. I know. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm like a bloody cockroach. That shit ain't gonna happen. I like. <laughs> I was lucky, I, I was dude. Lucky. Man, it's and my old man was in a very similar situation to you. Yeah. He uh, he played a charity football game and uh, yeah. collapsed in the sheds afterwards. And he's 52 and yep. uh, coded there, uh, was dead. Uh, thankfully, they had a, a, a defibrillator. A defibrillator. Defibula- 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 one of those. Yeah. And defib. And uh, it was actually quite funny because he has, uh, he used to play rugby league and he has a lot of contacts in that, in that, in that area. In yeah. And he, uh, he was having an argument with the, the guy, the governing body of that area that week about not having defibs at these grounds. He said, it's disgusting that you're not doing this. Someone's going to die. And thankfully, because of... Are you, are you, telling, are you telling us your old man is actually Karen and he took it that far that he killed himself to <laughs> prove a point? He did. He did. And it was a point proven. And now they have them there. So I think, you know, it's not Karen a Karen wins. Karen, Karen has wins. Mr. Karen Butterfield has won. <laughs> He's won. But, he, he, but yeah, no, it's like people don't realize it's actually the biggest killer for under 40s. The building of sh- the stress. Um, they say it, it, it's the biggest killer of under 40s um, that. A healthy under forty year old men. Yep. And it's just yeah, I don't know, it's it's scary because so you, you 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 realize afterwards that so quickly that, that could end. So wh- how does that but go? But Jimmy that Jimmy, don't go don't worry. I'm coming for you. <laughs> so how did how did that happen for you? What I know you've covered this on your channel, but for people who don't know, what happened? Um, I had a major year, like they don't, it's called, it's called, I think sudden cardiac arrest or something, which is the biggest killer for under forties. Um, that they can't actually pinpoint exactly what it is. It was just a mix of a bunch of stuff. Uh, I had, I do like, I trained heaps. I was, I took a pre, a new pre-workout that morning. They think maybe that elevated your heart to cause the perfect storm, but I didn't know it is the biggest killer of healthy men under 40. It's the biggest killer to uh, men under 40, sudden cardiac arrest. And the second one is suicide. Right. Both are related to women, 100%. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it, it can be in, in, in lots of situations. With with that happening, and I, I know you're, uh, your missus... Uh, I always feel like your missus is such a bad way to talk about someone's partner, but your partner, uh, she's my bitch. <laughs> she's not. She's not going to watch this, babe. I love you. I love you. That was a joke. It was a joke. Don't beat me. Tom Tanuki's going to fucking come after you, mate. Um, she saved. She saved you. She kept. She's you a going. legend. Yeah, she's a legend. She, eight minutes of eight minutes of um of uh, CPR. Mental. Hard fucking work too, especially when you. My chest hurt. Out. My chest hurt for a month. Really? Yeah, did you break? Did you mind. break ribs or what? No, nah, no, nah, just bru, just bruised. But yeah, she 
It's 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 mental. Like for eight minutes, she was standing on the phone, pumping it, and then I watched the security cameras, um, and you just see there was like the first that came, first responders were fireys, and then uh, there was I think there was like seventeen first responders in my room. Fuck. Yeah, it was, and it was, it took about an hour and a half to stabilize me, get me to hospital. Wow. It's mental. It's mental, it's- but I'm here. I'm here today. And Jimmy what does regrets that, do, that. What does that do for your uh, for your mental health now? Like, does it does it scare you considering it just happened out of the blue? Oh, I don't like. I think I think afterwards because it was like a month before lockdown. Um, afterwards, yeah, it kind of made you. I don't know. It's as cliche as it is. Everybody's like, oh, you. Start, but you do start to realize, God, life is short, um, and you tend to give less of a fuck. You just go, you know what? whatever you can think whatever um and then coronavirus happened and you go even my even my cardiac arrest was so such an insignificant thing yes and uh so i don't know i've got a new lease on life i guess i don't know sounds crap when you say that but it's true i i i i think my missus set it all up because i am never breaking up with her Good. I'm glad, mate. No, well, no, because I can't. Because, like, imagine, like, imagine that. Imagine it's a bit of a dog act. You're back out like you're you're a prick. Yeah. <laughs> you come out of that alive because of her. And you go, well, I feel we should see other people now that I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> now, Arvi, hey, uh, brother, thank you very much for coming on. I know you got some morning beers to take care of. Um, I know. I'm. I'm sitting here thinking. I've had those two two beers. This went for way longer than I thought it was going to go for. I didn't plan. For, it's a bit like lockdown. I didn't plan for this. I bought toilet paper here. I haven't planned for this long conversation. Um, I love you, bro. Keep it up. Thank you very much. How can people find you? Um, you can go to YouTube. Twitter's been fun at the moment. I just hit my hundred thousand. Trigger, trigger. Very nice. Um, uh, but YouTube. Facebook, I'm on my third page. Um, I've lost 400,000 followers, but wow. even with that, on Facebook, that video's got 3.8 million views. Like I said, I'm a cockroach. <laughs> you you can't try to me, but yeah, come to Telegram. I do Telegram now. I do, I don't know, all those other ones. I'm just, whatever. I'm there. I'm there. You know, I'm one of 17 kids. I'm the middle child of 17 kids. Oh, fuck. If these pricks think I'm not going to find a way to get attention, you don't know where I come from. And ladies and gentlemen, that, that is the perfect way to end this podcast. Arvi, thank you so much for joining us. Mate. Love you, bro. Thanks. Love you too, mate. And if you want to follow Arvi, all his links will be in the description below. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Check out the Clips channel as well. Link is down there. And a big merch sale coming up next week. Holy shit, balls. Be a good motherfucker. Peace in the Middle East. Probably shouldn't say that. Uh, with Avi as a guest, but doesn't help my doesn't help my cause, bro. Doesn't help. Peace in the streets of Melbourne. Uh, and me dick stinks. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Avi. See you all later. Toodaloo of Wabai. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 